Welcome to Growth Marketing Today, where marketers, designers, and product owners level up their growth marketing chops from experts in today's top startups. Here's your host, Ramley John. Hey, welcome back to the second season of Growth Marketing Today. And I have some news on my end here. I am getting married this summer in August. So I just wanted to share this out there. I'm a real person and I can't wait to get married to my bride. You know what? But enough about me. I really can't wait to share with you this next person I have on this first episode of this second season. We have Alisa Atkins, the VP of Marketing at Care Guide. She is so smart. I heard her talk here in Toronto for a Growth Hackers Meetup. Essentially, what she has done is she has mastered the art of smoke testing, automating, and scaling user acquisition channels down to almost a science. I really loved it. In this episode, you're going to find out Care Guide's five-step process to exploring and scaling new marketing channels. You'll also learn what Alisa looks for when hiring for her team and hint, it's not experience or a great resume. You're going to find it out in this episode. If you want to tweet some tweetable quotes from this episode, there's going to be a lot. You can go to growthmarketing.today forward slash 020. That's growthmarketing.today forward slash 020. Other than that, I don't want to hold you back anymore to this first episode of the second season. Here's my chat with Alisa. Hey, everyone. I have Alicia here all the way from Care Guide. How are you doing, Alisa? Hey, Remley. I'm awesome. It's so good to chat with you today. I know. It's great to take some time to chat with you. I've been trying to reach out to you and I'm so excited because I saw you talk at the Growth Hackers Meet up here in Toronto. And I'm, I'm going to be honest, like I was totally blown away. And I don't say that to everybody. <laughs> right? Like, sure. Oh, this is awesome. <laughs> like you were just like uh, blowing my mind and the guy I went with was like, his mind was blown. Oh, stop. Just kidding. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know uh, before we get started, talk about what you're doing at K-Guide right now and what K-Guide is. I'd like to know a little bit about your career journey so far because I love hearing this because everybody comes from different parts and you know their their career is more like a zigzag than it is mm-hmm. a, a linear path. Maybe tell me and my listeners a little bit about your career journey so far. Yeah, sure. And you're absolutely right. There are so many different ways for folks to get into growth marketing and, and try their hand at entrepreneurship. So for me, I started my career running my own window cleaning company in university which really was my foray into entrepreneurship before I'd even really heard it described as such, actually. And so I pursued that venture throughout university. And then after I graduated, I participated in, uh, as you mentioned, entrepreneurship institute called The Next 3-6, or I guess now they call it Next Canada. And the idea there is that they take who they say are the top 36 most talented young entrepreneurs in Canada and provide them with mentorship, capital, and uh, an academic environment to really accelerate the growth of these folks. And then after Next, I joined what I would say at least is one of Toronto's highest performing and at least most ambitious startups, Top Hat, as one of the earliest marketing hires there. Yeah, they're doing really well now. And that led me to where I've landed now at CareGuide. So I joined CareGuide a few years ago as the sixth employee and very first marketing hire. And during my time here, I've moved from just that, the first marketing hire to director of marketing and now operate as our VP of marketing. And if it's helpful, I can give you some context around CareGuide. So yeah, yeah, so at this point, we're adding about 100,000 users each month and driving over 2 million monthly visits. And we're doing about 6 million in yearly revenue. And I've been about tripling our core business year over year. Well, it sounds like a rocket ship. (laughs) You can say that, I suppose. It's, uh, yeah, it's going well. 
it's cool that you uh, you studied entrepreneurship and you're you're in next thirty six and you started your franchising college pro cleaning. How has that entrepreneurial mindset like help you with your marketing and building the marketing team? Yeah, and I think you're absolutely right. It definitely has. And I guess I'd say our team is probably more lean and scrappy and likely as a whole, probably more successful as a result of all of us really having this entrepreneurial mindset. Mm. So, I mean, for example, in addition to keeping my finger on the pulse of the company's financials holistically, I, I also look at the marketing entity as a business okay. and consider the full funnel. And we talked a little bit about this at, at Growth Hackers, but we look at what are the inputs into the marketing team. So most of the time and money, of course, and even the financials that we put into the top is not just the performance marketing spend, but we also evaluate the money that we pay people. So our inputs mm. are, what are we spending on the marketing programs? How much are we paying people to execute these programs? And then what is the output? And that kind of holistic picture is, is what determines our ROI. Like I mentioned, I think we're probably just a lot scrappier because we tend to operate under the assumption that resources are always limited. Even after we've raised, it can be tempting to become a bit frivolous with spend, but we've been pretty prudent in our deployment of capital. I think having that mindset has led us to hire folks who share that entrepreneurial mindset. Mm. And what that really means to me is just people who pursue opportunities, even if they don't have the resources for how, wow. figure it out. One thing I've noticed with our marketing team is we'll identify an opportunity and kind of build the plane while we're in the air, figuring out how to accomplish it. You know, It just leads us to being able to move a lot faster, I think, in a myriad of ways. Is that what you look for, like speed? I know when I was working as director of marketing at a startup in, in Toronto, that speed is like one of the biggest things that we were always looking for. Is like, how can we go faster? And velocity right. and the entrepreneurial mindset gives that is the ability to build a plane while it's like falling down the <laughs> in cliff. the air. Yeah, and you're absolutely right. Speed is important, and I think having this mindset of, of just being lean and what's the the smallest thing that we could test to prove our hypothesis allows you to move much faster and not overbuild. So I've seen some companies who will have a hypothesis, they'll build out this complicated infrastructure for it, and in the end discover that it actually wasn't a fruitful opportunity. Whereas if you mm. have more of an entrepreneurial mindset where you're considering that the resources available to you are always limited, I find, I find at least that folks tend to be more creative and, and operate in a bit more of a lean way. Mm. And so get further actually faster. Now I'm going to throw a question out at you that I've actually been thinking the past few weeks mm. uh, in terms of balance. In the whole entrepreneurial game, there's always this concept of hustling. Everybody mm -hmm. talks about like hustle, 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 <laughs> and like just getting getting shit done, right? And on the other hand, I've started to think about, well, maybe people are doing the wrong shit <laughs> yeah. and getting the wrong stuff done. And I'm finding that there's there needs to be a balance between the hustling side and more like thinking side. Is that something, you know, finding somebody who, who can think through things quickly and then yeah. know what to do next fast? Without, oh, I'm like, so orange. with you on that. I'm so with you on that. So yeah, I, I completely agree. So I would say the way we kind of look at it is first from a business perspective, like what does the business need mm. need to do this week to have it make a difference and move the needle? And then if you list out those things, I would say we try to look for clusters. So what one thing could I do that would cross off these three other things that would have an impact? Mm. So that's what's called high leverage activities. So what nice. might I do now and invest time in that would pay dividends moving forward? And so it's so easy to be busy. Like people are always talking mm. about how busy they are. And just because right. you're busy doesn't actually mean that you're productive. <laughs> and yeah, so, I, yeah, I, I wow. think our team does personally and as a team weekly reflection of what does the business need? What might we do to drive that output? And the thing with startups is it can change on a dime. 
Mm. Right. And so we, we're pretty flexible. Whereas midweek, if the, if something has changed and priorities change, we adapt and you have to be okay dropping a chunk of things off your to-do list and saying, no, this is not no longer important. Right. That's actually so good. I guess also the struggle I'm finding in teams is like there's such a little time to think through things is they don't think about like what you just suggested. It's like, what's the one mm-hmm. thing I can do that will cross off three things? Mm-hmm. And sometimes like, are you finding that you have to maybe be more intentional about that? To Absolutely. Maybe hold- so I actually schedule time in my calendar for that. It feels obtuse <laughs> at the time to be like, I'm going to sit and think. Um, <laughs> but it, in fact, it is like I mentioned, a high leverage activity where I guess a bit particular in the way that I run my calendar where I have to fill my calendar with what I'm going to do in order to be the most productive. So what that just means is that I'll take an hour or two at the end or the beginning of the week and do exactly that exercise is what does the business need? And then what does my team need? Hmm. What does my colleague Mike need? What can I do for him that will have uh, open up his output? And so it may feel like you're not necessarily being productive at the time, but at least in my experience, it's led to faster and more impactful results long-term. But you have to be intentional and diligent about putting in the time to just think, which feels unproductive at the time. That's so good. I'm, I'm going to try that out. Yeah, uh, try it. I never thought about Let it. Let me know how it goes. It's funny because I feel like, you know, like LinkedIn and like startup culture value hustling so much that they don't value reflection, like what you're talking about, like reflecting on what this business need and what does my team need. And it's just like, oh, it's just hustle, 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 mm. right? Yeah, I mean, the hustling part is important as well, Mm, (laughs) being productive, but um, you can be spinning your wheels and not even measuring the right things and not actually working towards your goals and feel busy. The goal shouldn't be being busy or feeling busy. It should Mm. be working on the things that are going to make an impact in the business. Nice. What other things do you do with your team or maybe how do you build that into your team? Like, let's say you have a group of marketers you're working with right now, right? So do you ask them to do the reflection point? individually or do you like have a meetings together where like what do we need to do this week or this month Mm -hmm. yeah we're pretty rigorous in our planning process and goal setting and so we review our goals weekly together as a team Mm -hmm. and something we place an incredible importance on at care guide is understanding why things happen so Mm. if we see our revenue increase uh, week over week as a marketing team we'll reflect on what did we do that had that impact how can we do more of it or if the numbers drop, same exercise is, is why. And so what that means is as each week we reflect as a team with what might we do, that will have the numbers increase again. And so we, mm. I do it one-on-one with each of the people on our team, reflect on what they're working on, um, where are they blocked, because that's another impediment for some folks that as a manager, I think it behooves you to ensure that your team is unencumbered. And then we do it again as a team and we do it weekly, monthly, and quarterly. And like, so what does the marketing team look like right now? I know you were, I wanted to lead up to that because you were talking about your, your team already. So. Oh yeah. Yeah. So our marketing team is about five people right now. We've got a pretty heavy hitting team, if I may say. So, you know, one example is my colleague, Mike, who is a total polymath and runs most of our performance marketing. And he deploys a monthly budget of about 300,000. And he's been a large part of the mechanism behind our, our exceptional growth. And uh, another one of our full-time folks is my colleague, Shannon. So Shannon just joined us fresh out of school about half a year ago. And in less than six months, for one, she's learned how to code, which she didn't wow. know coming in. In fact, yeah, everyone, right. interestingly, everyone on our marketing team has deployed to the CareGuide uh, code base, which That's is pretty amazing. cool. Yeah. And uh, she's just completely transformed the quality effectiveness and ROI of our email channel, which is one of the largest email channel and impactful channels for us. And so, yeah, I mean, our MO has been to operate with a pretty lean team. 
And I think the key to our ability to do that has been our focus on automation, which you and I, which we talked about at Growth Hackers. Right. That I can dig into a bit if you think it'd be helpful, but that's kind of yeah, how we've been sure. operating. For sure. So you have a paid acquisition person and then you have an email marketing. Do you have, what does the other three people yeah. in the marketing team? And then there's myself and we've got a co-op student and another person working on social. So you're, you're talking about automation and automation is absolutely biggest. You're talking about efficiency earlier and yeah. how does automation look like at CareGuide? Yeah. So, you know, our process is pretty much to, we start with a, a smoke test. So answering the question, mm. is there something here? And then we hack together an automation. And if the results stand with some level of scale, then we fully automate, put that channel into maintenance or scaling mode. And while we move on to experimenting with other channels. So I'll take you through an example mm. of a time we've done this. So an easy example to fathom is email. So the first step was coming up with ideas. So where might you be able to gain access to your customers' emails? And the caveat is to be legal. You can cold email people if, if there's a potential <laughs> business relationship to be had, but like disclaimer, go above board. And then we'd manually test it. So, you know, I've got the people that I want to email. The next step would be to manually email them personally. And mm. the key here is using what are called UTM parameters. Right. And, and so I'd send out an email. Hey, Remley, it's Alyssa from Childcare Advantage. I noticed you're hiring. You know, check out our site with the link. And then we'd seek to validate. So now we'd go in and check, on, check Google Analytics to see, did anyone click this email? Did they sign up for our site? Importantly, <laughs> did they pay us? <laughs> right. <laughs> and then if yes, then we, we hack together an automation. And uh, the salient element of this step is to automate as much as you can without engineering. Mm. So in this example, we had a freelancer in the Philippines discovering emails for us. She would drop those into a Google Sheet, and then we used a tool called Zapier that would automatically retrieve those emails, put them into our CRM, and automatically trigger an email out. And once that's run for a little while, we, we then evaluate this whole process. So do the economics make sense? Is it profitable? Mm. And is there a large enough audience pool to justify even continuing this automation? And so that kind of five-step process and methodology has allowed us, one, to remain quite lean. And two, I'd say it's allowed inimitable growth for mm. our team members. So Mike, as I mentioned, started at CareGuide about a year ago, year and a half, managing just one channel. And not only has that channel grown about five times over year over year, but he is now also managing two other channels at scale, each of which is nearly fully automated while running pricing experiments. And he's now hired someone under him that he's now managing. And wow. I, I think you just don't get I'm open to being proven wrong, but I just think you don't get opportunities like that if you overhire on your team or right. you don't figure out how to automate yeah. tasks and, and channels quickly. That's so good. But uh, I'm curious about like the, how long that whole process took, this, this whole like experimentation uh, mm -hmm. cadence. You can get the experiment going in a day. And mm. then depending on how long it takes you to hit significance, it can be a week or two process. Okay, nice. How often do you, like Christian Contreras, we, when we chatted, he was talking about like exploratory experiments versus more like incremental improvement experiments. Mm -hmm. In your experience, like uh, when do you do more exploratory where like you've, you've never done, let's say, Snapchat advertising? I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm just yeah. throwing something out there, right? <laughs> sure. Or doing more experiments on improving click-through rates for free email. Like what's your mix right now or where, mm. what, where do you find the balance between, between the two? Yeah. So, I mean, experiments, something that is so inherent to our DNA at CareGuide, we're literally always running them on all of the channels. 
And nice. so, um, you know, in God we trust, all others bring data. And so, it, it, you know, data is really the field behind any, anybody's arguments at CareGuide. And so we kind of have a thesis that you, you, you can test, you can try out anything, we just test it. And so it really is a driving force behind what we do. And then in terms of exploring new channels, it's something we also try to continually do. So this process of smoke testing a channel, the process that I just took you through is how we discover new channels. And then once something has proven to be fruitful and lucrative, we, like I said, put it into kind of maintenance mode more or less and just scale it out as long as the economics remain attractive. And one of the goals we had as a marketing team this year is to dedicate around 10% of our time as a team collective to experimentation. So for example, at our marketing weekly this afternoon, we have a brainstorm scheduled where we're going to come up with as a team new channels that we want to discover and test and then allocate time to, to actively work on these. And so I think it comes back to, like I mentioned before, just being intentional. And, um, you know, taking kind of a bird's eye view as much as you can and being intentional where you spend your time and what you're working on that will have the largest effect. And the thing with experiments is most of them won't work and that's fine. You only really need one to, to hit it out of the park for it to have been a worthwhile right. exercise. No, it's so, it's so good to a lot some time with that. I find with like um, people who are more entrepreneurial, they're like so attracted. Well, I'm attracted to new things. So like always exploring mm. new channels. And I had a chat with another VP of growth talking about like sometimes you have to just double down on success and mm-hmm. a lot of people don't. I want to talk a little bit about your hiring and how you hire somebody for your marketing team. You know, a lot of people, they hire for specific channels uh, mm-hmm. for their marketing team. And there was this graph that I saw where certain channels, they, they come and go, right? And if you hire for somebody for a specific channel and it's not effective anymore, what do you do? It seems like you've done a good job of hiring somebody who can uh, jump laterally to a different channel. How do you hire somebody for your marketing team so that you don't just hire them for that specific channel and then they can't move on to the next? Oh yeah, that's a great question. So we've actually not really had a channel burnout yet. Not to say that we won't, but um, (laughs) mostly probably because of the methodology I described, we're pretty successful in that perspective. But basically our approach is to smoke test ourselves first as a team, just decide whether there's signs of life in a channel. And then only when we think we're leaving money on the table by not pursuing mm. an opportunity, then we hire for it. So I've seen teams where they just feel like they're strapped. And so they hire more people to alleviate that burden where one, they could go through the process that you and I just discussed of <laughs> making sure they're working on the right things. And two, it just doesn't necessarily always make sense. And so first we evaluate, is there money being left on the table because we don't have somebody working on this thing. And then, like I mentioned, we evaluate the channel's ROI from a holistic view of what we're spending on it and salary of that person. So we're pretty meticulous about this. And then what we've done at least is we've not necessarily taken people off of channels they're working, but Mm. rather expanded what they're working on. So take Mike, for example, who started working on one channel. He, like I mentioned, grew the channel by 5x. And because we spent so much time automating a lot of it, he was able to move on to running another channel while maintaining that first one he was working on. And so it all comes back to core principles of automate things as quickly as you can so that smart people can continuously work on new things. Okay, yeah. And that's that's kind of been our approach. Absolutely makes sense. So that's my question too, would be how do you hire those smart people? How did you mm-hmm. see like, you know, you hired somebody from Seattle University and now she's coding and she's pushing yeah. code. 
you hired Mike, she's, I guess you probably hired him originally for paid. And now he's doing, I don't know, two or three other channels that he probably yeah. didn't have experience on before. Yeah. I'd love to talk to you about that because I'm pretty excited about the way Care Guide does ha- hiring. I think it's quite unique. Um, okay. Anyway, so at least on our marketing team, as I would argue, we necessarily don't care about experience. It's not something we look at. Mm. And so really what we look for is aptitude for learning. And so we look for people who are, actually the, we have this documented skills that we, or characteristics that we test for are grit and resourcefulness and ownership. Like really what we're looking for is someone who doesn't know how to do something can figure it out. Mm. And we build a plane, build a plane while it's falling off the cliff. Exactly it. That's exactly (laughs) it. You know, and so, and someone who will take ownership from their mistakes and learn from them. And so hiring people with an entrepreneurial mindset, we tend to go for overachievers and that has been extremely successful method for us. Looking at people like Mike and Shannon and, and part of doing that though, is that you have to create the career path for them to grow into. Mm. And so one of Guide's values is that we offer careers, not jobs. And so a conversation I have with everybody that joins our marketing team is where do you want to go from here and how can we get you there? So, you know, we're quite open that they're hiring entrepreneurial people necessarily means that eventually one day they'll want to start their own company. And so we map out how can you learn everything you would need to do to successfully do that here at CareGuide. And so, and we revisit their career paths at least quarterly. Are we on track for you to hit your goals? Like what does the next step look like for you? And I try to be almost, I'm quite proactive about that, such that I try to stay one step ahead of them and give them the autonomy to create what that looks like for them. You know, with Mike, I asked him, what are your goals? What do you want to get to? And what does, what do you think getting to that step looks like? And then they get to be a part of designing what their journey is. So good. That's so good. I just, two things came to my mind. I wanted to ask you. The first is like, how do you test grit? How do you interview for, can you build a plane down while you're falling yeah. in the air? I'll, like, is there a specific, I'll, is there sure. anything you look for? Like, hey, here's a... Yeah, here's a so I can send you our interview questions if you like. Um, <laughs> but the way we test for grit is to ask candidates to tell us about a time when they were unstoppable in pursuing um, an incredible obstacle. Right. Or they overcame an incredible obstacle. So they were hungry for something and they were just unstoppable in their pursuit of it. And that mm-hmm. will tell you how long will someone, you know, bang on a drum until they get the result that they're looking for. And what do they do in the face of obstacles? Because that's what mm-hmm. marketing is. That's what business is. Startups, it, that's, that's what startups yeah, that's are. What startup it's like, is about. it's yeah. obstacle after obstacle and you have to find a creative and resourceful way of getting around it. And those are the people who will, they'll look at a problem and be like, I don't know how to figure this out, but I'm going to. Mm, that's so good. Do you give them any tasks to do or is it just that question? Like you ask them to. Yeah. I've not found giving people tasks or homework to be super fruitful um, interviewing mechanism only because I would say then you are testing for experience Mm. and there are things that you can teach people and things that you can't. And I think teaching someone to, you can teach someone to write an email, but you can't necessarily teach them to think, approach a problem with, from an intellectual perspective. Nice. Um, so yeah. And so there are, there are some, I guess, technical components of our interviewing process, but mostly it's around characteristics. Who is this person and what, what do they do in the face of obstacles? Nice. So good. The other thing that came to mind when you were talking about hiring is you said you wanted to, you're looking for people who would eventually start a business. Like people who are very entrepreneurial. Mm. 
and I'm finding that's like um, almost a, a conundrum, right? You're trying to hire people who don't want a job. They're like, they want to be mm. an entrepreneur someday. One of the things that I've noticed is my friends who are entrepreneurs, they ended up taking the job because of the mission of the company. Mm-hmm. Is, is that what you're seeing? Like you're, that's how you're attracting the people to come to your company, entrepreneurs to come to, to work for your company is because of the mission or is it because of, it could also be you. You could also, you could be an absolutely great mentor that they, they're so attracted to your mentorship ability. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so, I would say there's probably two things there. So one is there's a lot to be learned at a company uh, before you go on to start your own. And so mm-hmm. if you imagine that the path to success is almost like a, uh, a tree in its branches, there, there are a lot of different ways that you could go to, to get to the success path. It's a lot easier and faster to see what a su- growing a successful business looks like from the inside than going on a different route where you're, you're having mm. to go through an unsuccessful path. And so there's a lot to be learned from joining a startup if you want to start your own company. And so I think to retain these types of people, you have to give them that opportunity. And people who are entrepreneurial like that, they crave challenge. And so it <laughs> so behooves true. you to put that in front of them, right? right? And so there's that. And then also, when you give people autonomy at least on our team, people can almost run their channels like their own small businesses. Mm, so wow. uh, not even just our paid channels, but you, you could almost, you run it like its own P&L. What are the inputs going into this? And then what is coming out of it? And how can we push on this? And so each of our team members will set their own goals for their channels based on what the business needs. And then I'm pretty much as, as hands up as they want me to be. And so I see my role as not telling them what they should do or how they should execute tactically, but in asking them the right questions that will have them think strategically and really intellectually about solving those problems. And I think mm. when you give people that autonomy and that challenge and place that in front of them, usually they'll, they'll stand up to the challenge and it keeps them engaged because they're getting, they're getting I guess, that experience, of, of that entrepreneurial experience in a way. Nice. I'm curious how your team learned coding because I think that's been a, a hurdle for some people. It'd be like, oh, it's it's this monster. I don't I don't want to learn this as a marketer. Like you just talked about the value of it. Like how did yeah. they ended up learning? I, I would say for marketers, I would learn SQL before any other mm, okay. that's good. Um, coding language, just because the ability to query data and and analyze it and make insights from it is paramount. And then you know, our, our team has had a lot of coaching from generous entrepreneurs. Our VP of engineering, Ed, is magnanimous. And so he's giving PRs to uh, each of our team members who's, who's committing to the code base. And so I think it's a mix of, of learning on your own and then leaning on the team that's around you, should they be so generous. Mm, that's so good. I keep saying so good because it is. <laughs> it's like, oh man, like this, this is, uh, it's great to hear your insights. And they're talking about systematic. Is there any like group of experiments or experiments that you ran that like really surprised you and your team or, you know, really moved the needle for, for Care Guide? Yeah, actually. So almost every time we've experimented inside of our onboarding flow, it has resulted in step function mm-hmm. gains or gains rather. So my colleagues, Ali and Nick, who are really the brains behind these experiments, but we've been most successful each time we break up the onboarding steps to become more atomized. So for example, our onboarding flow for a while was one long form with about 20 or so fields. And as you can imagine, exactly, people would hit our site, be interested in proceeding, then hit this long form, and it naturally caused a lot of drop-off. So what my colleague Ali did was, first of all, question how many of these fields do we really need? 
and then remove whatever is superfluous. And two, he broke this one long form into three steps and each page would ask less of the user mm. and was presented in a way that was more digestible. So this was a group effort from, like I mentioned, Ali, Nick, my colleagues, Karen and Shring. But this type of work has resulted in about a 3x lift just from experiments, wow. <laughs> such as that one. I'm telling you, yeah, onboarding flow has been really impactful. Okay, that's, that's awesome. You know, it's great to hear. Like, uh, I like a lot of people experiment with new channels, but you're experimenting with onboarding and like the whole funnel. Yeah, yeah, and we've done both. I and mean, we're we're constantly experimenting with new channels, but there's always more surface area to be explored, right? Nice. Yeah. Well, we've we've Maybe. not necessarily shared this yet, but um, so we we launched this this product nanny lane in October, and oh, wow. okay. um, and we we're gonna this month we're going to do a hundred thousand monthly visits. We wow. will have gotten to 100,000 monthly bidders in three months, uh, the oh. marketing team. Can you, <laughs> that's <laughs> yeah, amazing. We're, like, we're what, gonna, what we're happened? We're going to write a post on it. <laughs> All right. Can you um, give a taste of it? Is it, what is the specific channels that work SEO yeah, or I think, paid? Yeah, it, it depends for your business because basically the way we have looked at building new channels is my, my favorite thing that I say is party where your customers party. And so put yourself in your customer's shoes. Where would you go right now to find a solution to the problem you're looking to solve? Okay. You know, do a Google search and what comes up. So for example, we're a marketplace. So people post jobs on our site and they come to us when they're looking for jobs in the care industry. So where else do people go to find jobs? And from that thought, from that thinking, for us, a lucrative channel has been job boards, automatically posting to job boards. And so unless you're a completely disruptive and most companies are not company, then you know, people are finding a proxy solution to the problem you're aiming, mm. aiming to solve and start right. there. And that's where that has really been the impetus for our success in, in this realm. That's great. I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to quote that party where your customers party. where party. your customers party. That's <laughs> like a tweet right there. <laughs> All right. Before we wrap up, um, I always ask for people's advice to, mm. to students who are still studying in there, or maybe they're people who are trying to transition into marketing or growth. What would be your advice to people who like those? I think there are two parts to this. There's things that you can do and then knowledge that you can acquire. And so as far as actions go, if you've not exercised in the realm of growth marketing before, it may be a fake it till you make it situation, which I think is perfectly fine for getting your foot in the door. So I'd say take on roles that are available to you to start, even if you feel you're unqualified or aren't sure of how you'll succeed in that role. And then something my colleague John has said, which I love, is to then grow where you're planted. I'd also say meet as many people as you can. Mm. Go to events, connect with the speakers afterward. Almost every single opportunity I've discovered in my career has been a result of a relationship or connection I've built with someone. And what I'm not prescribing is to ask people to copy, to pick their brains. I think that's something that requires. It requests something of others. Actually, my, my good friend Daniel Roddick is the master at this. So he is constantly seeking ways he can add value to the people around him. Mm. And as a result, has built quite an extensive and extremely wow. fruitful network. And the way he's described his thesis to me is that if you don't attempt to add value to someone else in your interaction with them, you're actually taking value away from that person by stealing wow. the time. So and good. so, yeah, this is an approach that I find quite compelling and, and I implore everyone to adopt in, in these connections that they're trying to build. Oh, man. And then, yeah, yeah. I've also learned a ton through reading. So I found reading books on behavioral psychology and industry frameworks to be most potent. Sean Ellis, so I can see you have your, his book uh, on your book, bookshelf. He's someone <laughs> whose writing is definitely worth paying attention to. Nice. Uh, I also love Made to Stick, Traction. Made to and, Stick, right. Yeah, so good. Predictably, or, 
predictably irrational for getting your feet wet. Um, in, in fact, I spent a lot of time reading last year and started a Facebook group called Reading TO upon request. So if, if folks have been really engaged, so if, if your listeners are keen for more reading suggestions, they can join that group. Okay, I will join that group right after yeah, this. Reading TO. <laughs> awesome. And finally, before we wrap up, where can people find you? Uh, do you have a website? Do you have a blog? Where do you want to send people to to find more about Lisa and what amazing yeah. things you're doing? <laughs> Thanks. Probably Twitter, I'd say, okay. is uh, the best channel to engage with me right now. Okay. And then for Care Guide, is there anything specific you're looking for? Where can people find Care Guide? Like, is any particular people that you're trying to get to your site? Yeah, I mean, we're always hiring. So, particularly on the marketing and engineering teams. So our, our website is careguide.com. You can engage with us on Twitter as well, but we're actively hiring right now. So if folks are, do you have any of the qualities that I described uh, previously, <laughs> then we'd be happy to chat. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Elisa. I just was so blown away by this talk. You gave so much insights. Thanks so much. I really appreciate it. Hey, thanks for listening on this episode. This one quote and this image just stuck on my mind now that Elisa said. She said, great marketing teams find an opportunity and build a plane while in the air. This leads to moving a lot faster. I really love that. I think it's about being resourceful and gritty. And sometimes you're up in the air and you're building that plane. Even though you have VC funding or you have money raised, you still want to have that entrepreneurial mindset speed takes up thanks so much alisa for coming on to the show hey for all my listeners out there once again if you want some quotes some love share some love to me go to growth marketing that today forward slash zero two zero tweet at me at growth today if you have any feedback or questions send me a short email at ramley r-a-m-l-i at growth marketing that today other than that this is ramley from growth marketing today and keep on growing